Boardwalk Audio Podcast. On comedy writing, on comedy writing. Thanks for downloading this episode of On Comedy Writing. This is the podcast about the business and craft of writing comedy. I'm your host, Alan Johnson, and the best way to support this show is by going to boardwalkaudio.com slash oncomedywriting. Click the Support Our Artist button and shop on Amazon like you normally would, and I get a little kickback. So why not go buy, I don't know, a DVD of Big Hero 6? I say that because our guest this week is Jenny Jaffe. She's worked at College Humor, Nikki and Sarah Live, and she's currently a staff writer on the upcoming Big Hero 6 show. Jenny's a great writer with a really interesting background, especially in college. So it's a real pleasure to talk to her. So here is Jenny Jaffe. Uh, Jay, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, where are you from originally? Uh, Bay Area. South Bay Area. Bay Area okay. Yeah. Uh, so was there like a big, was there comedy stuff going on? Oh, not, no. No? Nothing. Um, no, I mean, well, I grew up, like, right in in the middle of Silicon Valley in the 90s. So I, I oh. grew up in the the tech bubble. Uh, oh, wow. So really the only industry I knew anybody that worked in was, was tech. And um, that was, you know, not anywhere I ever saw myself going. Um, my high school had... A theater program that I think it's sort of underutilized, at least at the time when I was there. But we did have, I did have a couple of really great drama teachers who let us have like an improv club and, um, you know, sort of, I could explore comedy through mm-hmm. that a little bit. But it wasn't like there was a lot of comedy. There was probably a lot of comedy going on in San Francisco itself. Right. I think there still is, but mm-hmm. in the area that I, I was. Not again, yeah, no. Uh-huh. What, what kind of uh, improv was it? Like short form? Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. the kind everybody does in high school. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's uh, things that should be exercises that no one ever sees yeah. on stage. I, I wasn't uh, on the improv team in high school, but I had a friend who was, and uh, he was telling me that they were always like talking about doing a herald. Uh-huh. And they just like would always like every year this we're gonna do a herald this we're gonna do a herald and then every year they would just do like freeze tag and everything and all the same I stuff. Don't, I did not even have an an idea of what a herald was when right. I was in high school. I, yeah, like <laughs> improv. The only improv I'd ever seen was Whose Line Is It Anyway, and then uh-huh. like some comedy sports type of things. Yeah. Uh, so did you live there your whole childhood? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I grew up there. And so, Same place. Uh, besides, like being on the uh, the improv team, were you doing like theater stuff? I did a lot of high school theater. I did all through middle school, and then sort of um, beginning and end of high school. Mm-hmm. I had like a couple years in there where I just because of like mental health and like being uncomfortable at school, I I just sort of took a step back from mm-hmm. any sort of extracurricular because going to school was enough of a challenge. So. Um, but I did do a lot of like drama classes. Yeah. Like I, any chance I got to take drama as an mm-hmm. elective or to take um, any sort of writing course, I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you? Did you like any like uh, comedy shows growing up? Well, yeah, that was the the my best comedy education was just that I was an absolute TV junkie. Yeah, and it was not. Um, necessarily what I wanted to be doing, but because I I was going through a lot of really difficult stuff, and because I didn't have a ton of a social life, like the best 
way that I could think to spend all that time uh, when I was fairly isolated was just like watching uh, anything I get my hands on. And I had a lot of um, Australian uh, family friends, still do, and they used to get me these BBC box sets of different British comedies as I was growing up. Starting when I was like 11 or 12, they were like, okay, now we can give you like... Mm-hmm. Things we think you'll really like, and got me started on the young ones and Black Adder and Fry and Laurie, and um, that really like set my imagination going. It's crazy that like everyone knows Rowan Atkinson for Mr. Bean, yeah, but like Black Adder just looks so much better. Black Adder to like the final se- season series, they'd say of Black Adder, uh-huh. I think is the reason that I wanted to do comedy professionally. Oh. I always wanted to be a, a writer or be in some in movies in some capacity. Mm-hmm. I loved movies. Um, but then I saw that and I was like, oh, shit. I mean, it's the best comedy show finale mm-hmm. ever. They basically have given you an entire season of comedy that leads up to this one heartbreaking moment. Oh, you know what's interesting is I, I just realized I've only seen like Blackadder through the, like the PBS things that they put on. Mm-hmm. So I've never actually watched like it like as a narrative like through a through yeah, thing. Yeah, I think. Well, I think I was just watching it like I was just like consuming it all in one go. But the yeah. final season, uh, Blackadder goes forth. It's uh, it takes place in the te- trenches of World War One, mm-hmm. and it's a. Um, it's just, it's just a whole season where it's just basically everything they've ever done, but, like, so much darker. And then the last episode, they've decided to go up over the edge into no man's land. And it goes somewhat differently than it does in Wonder Woman. And you just <laughs> see them all go up over the edge, and then it sort of freezes. And then you just see the field of poppies grow. Oh, which wow. Which is, in England, like, sort yeah. of the sign for the troops in uh, in World War One. Oh, so wow. it's a really dark ending, but I think it's... I think it's so brilliant. I remember just my imagination was so captured by that mm-hmm. because I don't think TV comedy writing was something that occurs to most 11-year-olds who have mm-hmm. never met somebody in the industry before as a job. Um, and then Strangers with Candy also was on yeah. Comedy Central when I was after after school when I was um, probably too young to be watching it. And that was the other mm-hmm. thing I remember watching and, and really being fascinated by. Uh, yeah, everyone talks about those Comedy Central reruns. Yeah. Because, like, uh, I remember Conan mm-hmm. was one that I used to watch because he used to do, like, the next day, I think, like, at 6 p.m. or the something. The 90s, com- like, 90s uh, Conan or... I think it might have been, like, early 2000s Conan. Yeah. But, yeah. And then uh, SNL and, like, Mad, right. Mad TV was always on, too. Yeah, I watched a lot yeah. of that. I watched uh-huh. a lot, like, anything that was on Comedy Central. I watched any mm-hmm. half-hour special, any um, uh, rerun of, like, 40 Days and 40 Nights or whatever uh, shitty yeah. teen comedy was on. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, I think when you're first watching all that, you don't really have a, a sense of what's good or bad. You just have a sense of, like, oh, I like comedy, so I'll probably like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to be more discerning. But also, like, I was a really good age for uh, The Daily Show and Colbert because Colbert Report uh, premiered when I was 15. Okay. And I had been watching The Daily Show every night for years. And then when that came out, it was, like, this hour a night that I really looked forward to because I was like, I know I'm going to laugh for, like, an hour a night. And things aren't going to feel as as awful as they feel right <laughs> now for this hour a night. And that was always helpful. And Futurama and The Simpsons and and... All that, Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you were 
uh, applying to colleges, you knew you wanted to do like uh, TV writing and comedy writing and whatnot. Yeah, I well, I um did the NYU summer program between okay. uh, junior and senior year of of uh, of high school. I also did um, this like sort of screen general screenwriting course at Northwestern. Um, oh wow! So you're. In, you were doing a lot of uh, I did stuff, a lot of, yeah. like, extracurricular things. Mm-hmm. I sort of sought them out because I knew it was what I, like, I had sort of picked this path really young and decided that's what I wanted to be doing. And mm-hmm. um, so I did this uh, class at NYU between uh, junior and senior year. I actually ran into one of my professors from it last night, who's really mm-hmm. great. Uh, and... As he even said last night, like part of the point of that program is that they're like look also looking at the applicants, the potential applicants coming in, and um, my grades weren't terrific. I had a lot of extenuating circumstances. Again, like um, sort of difficult high school years that meant there were some weird gaps in my education. But I had a really solid portfolio, and they were very understanding of. Uh, the rest of it mm-hmm. and had sort of seen me work and and um, helped me sort of make the decision to go and I only applied one place and oh, I did wow. an early decision and I got in. I'm really lucky I got in. Mm-hmm. I think had I not gotten in I probably would have taken a gap year or tried to get a job or internship or, mm-hmm. or something somewhere. I but I can't imagine what else I would have ended up doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually uh, just got into NYU for the graduate program for dramatic writing. What? Yes. Dude, Mazel Tov, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So Wait, I'm, when are you going? Uh, I'm still deciding, but I'm probably going to go, but in August. That's really yeah. awesome. For yeah, t- yeah. Are you going to do TV? For uh, dramatic writing. But like, So are you going to pick TV as your track, do you think? Uh, probably screenwriting. That's awesome. Yeah. I, so yeah, the dramatic writing, you uh-huh. kind of t- I took a lot of classes with the MFA students. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, that's really cool. I think the, uh, yeah, it, it's awesome. That's yeah. really, that's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you'd recommend the program? Uh, yeah, I'd That'd recommend the program. That'd be funny if this just turned into like just the conversation if about the, I mean, if this can help convince you to go, <laughs> um, I think the best thing that NYU has going for it is the fact that you get to get an excuse to live in New York City and take classes and, um meet people I feel like a lot of the I will probably get to it in a second maybe mm-hmm. we should just get back on track and then I okay. promise I will end up making the case for NYU to you either now or off mic uh, so yeah at NYU you did uh, the Hammercats group that's exactly right? yeah, what I was about to say, say. It's, right, it's in the, the rundown um, <laughs> you've done very good research um, yeah I was on Hammercats um, freshman year um, I was like, what's the sketch group? And they were doing a show for Welcome Week. And I went to it and I was like, yep, that's the thing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, I, and for people that don't know, Hammercats is like the uh, the sketch troupe at NYU. Yeah. And it was originally started by like uh, the people from Derek Comedy, right? I think they were like a generation after the people who originally okay. started it. Um, but when I got there... Uh, Donald Glover had like graduated like a year or two before and he had been the director. Um, and when I got there, Rachel Bloom was one of the directors. Oh, wow. And I remember like I did the audition. I was very sick that day and I was, but I was like, I have to do this. And then I, uh, Rachel called me and 
uh, I met her and the other director, uh, Jeff Ekman, at this coffee shop. And we had sort of a conversation about comedy, and I had already sent them sketches, and they'd I'd done this audition, and uh, I remember walking out of the coffee shop being so nervous, and Rachel ran down the street after me and asked if I wanted to join Hammercats, and uh, I said, yes, absolutely, walked around the corner and just burst into tears. I was so happy. So um, that was the best thing I think I really did at at NYU because it put me in this position where I was performing at UCB and I was meeting people in the comedy world and getting seen by people in the comedy world and having my work up on its feet and getting better as a sketch writer. Um, Which, if I have one criticism of NYU, the dramatic writing program, uh, and I've said as much to them, I don't feel like there was a lot of opportunity to stage or film your own work. Mm. And I I don't understand why when you have a film department downstairs and you Mm -hmm. have actors and you have all these people ready to make it happen. Uh, But Hammercats was the place where I was getting my work up. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think I've heard like that criticism, like about like most places in college, like, it's, there's not really like institutionally an easy way to do like make things and stuff like that. Right. I feel like I've heard that from. Like, I did film school in undergrad, and I know like a lot of people who did it, and they're like, "Yeah, it was great. I made like one short film in four years." Right. Because it's like mostly just like doing stuff in class. But I think the film program, like they did, all come out with a couple of, oh, of really? shorts under their belt. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean. Dramatic writing, I think everybody who has a good experience is is also doing other things, or they're also kind of making their own their own work, not just for mm. class. Um, but yeah, Hammercats was a really cool experience, and um, I eventually got to be assistant director under uh, the wonderful David Sidorov. Uh, and then I uh, became director, and then senior year, it, very beginning of senior year, I was hired as a writer-performer at College Humor, and that's directly because of a mm-hmm. sketch somebody had seen me do with Hammercats that I had written. And, oh, um, wow. What, what was the sketch? Do you remember? It was, well, I co-wrote it with Danny Jollis, but it, who's also wonderful, and he's a stand-up in L.A., and we did it, like, everywhere. And the sketch was the town from Beauty and the Beast rehearsing like the day before Belle is like gonna walk through Mm -hmm. it's really silly but it always went over huge and um, we did it at a show hosted by Aaron Kafitz New York sketch comic and College Humor at the time had just lost uh, Sarah Schaefer to Sarah Schneider sorry Sarah Schneider Mm -hmm. to SNL and we're looking for more women to uh, to fill her shoes and um, I was hired along with Emily Axford. Uh, oh, yeah. And my mine was on recommendation, I think, mostly from Aaron because of the sketch we had done on his show. Oh, wow. So it's just one of those things where you really never know what mm-hmm. it's going to be. And, and success is such a um, weird combination of luck and having mm-hmm. the thing to to make it happen when the opportunity <laughs> arrives. Mm-hmm. But it's so arbitrary. Um, and I... Uh, yeah, so I, I got hired for College Humor, and I uh, left the group uh, to uh, Matt Rogers and Sudi Green, and um, I, I I was really sad to not be able to be part of it my senior year mm-hmm. um, because that was such an important part of my life, and I you know I made some of my very best friends on Hammercats, and 
it was it was tough. I mm-hmm. it I was really proud of the work that I did while I was there, and I was proud of getting to be a part of it. And I think it's very it's very cool to have been a part of a group that with so many talented people in it. Like I can't believe I got to be mm-hmm. one of them. So you were you're uh, going to you're in your senior year. You're going to school, and you're also working full time at College Humor. Yes. Okay. Well, so I, what happened was um, after I got the job, I I really thought I could do school, College Humor, and Hammer Cats all at once. And then Hammer Cats is unfortunately what I ended up having to let go of. Um, and I had to become a part time student at NYU. And luckily, I'd taken some summer classes, and I'd, I'd done some uh, APs and in high school so I was able to have the credits to graduate on time but there was like a moment there where I was like well maybe I'm not gonna graduate maybe I should just postpone this and um, one of the people who was working at um, College Humor at the time Streeter Seidel sort of uh, pulled me aside and knocked some sense into me and was like why would you not get your your uh, college degree when you're this close to it and um I'm really grateful that he did that because mm-hmm. I, the next day, like, decided to become a part-time student so that I could make it work, and I made it work. And it was the most exhausting uh, year, but... So, yeah, how did yeah. that work? Were you just, like, uh, going to school during the day, or going to College Humor during the day and school at night, or...? Yeah, I was going to College Humor from... Uh, 10 to 6 and then I was going to class from 6.30 to 9.30 so I'm lucky my schedule for school worked out like Mm -hmm. that Um, and I in in retrospect it's like it's crazy that I was working while I was in college I can't Mm -hmm. can't believe that I was doing that that's the that's um, 21 year old energy but (laughs) uh I don't even know where I was going with that. But I just... It's its weird when I look back on it. It, mm-hmm. it feels like a kind of different life. Um, I didn't end up going to one of my graduate... Because there was a Tisch graduation and an NYU graduation. Mm-hmm. I couldn't make it to the NYU graduation because there was a college humor shoot that day. And I was like, I'd rather just do the... Do the do shoot. The shoot. <laughs> so unfortunately, I missed the big graduation. Um, Is that the one at Yankee Stadium? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I'm actually really bummed that I missed it. Mm-hmm. The Tisch, Tisch one was... Slightly, uh, slightly less less huge Radio City Music oh, right. Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. Um, so there, were, it was a little bit strange socially. Also, I, I think I think it was hard because I felt a little trapped between two worlds. I didn't really feel like I could fully be in the social world of college humor because I was still a student and I didn't feel like I could fully be in the world of college because I was working full time and um, didn't really have a lot of time to socialize. So just a little bit, you know, of a, it's one of those things where it's like in retrospect, I'm like, I wish I had just enjoyed it and appreciated Mm -hmm. it while I had it. And now I'm like, but at the time I was just stressed out and a little bit lonely. Um, it was also the weird thing of, you know, there's a class where basically they tell you, teach you, help you learn how to get jobs. And I was rushing from my job to, <laughs> to class. Um, but also like, and I don't know how much I was like the asshole who was like, uh, I, th- I, don't, I don't know. I think 
I did what I could, but it's really hard to not kind of come across as an asshole where you're like, sorry, I'm late. Like, I just got back from my rating job. Like, I would have hated me. Yeah. Um... I did. I did what I did what I could. <laughs> so, what was uh, what was it like, like working there? Like, how did, how does it go day work at College Humor back then? Um, back then, so this was like 2011 mm-hmm. to 2012, um, and it, it was still in New York. It was still in the IAC building on the West Side Highway. And I'd get there and I'd partake of like the insane snacks at IAC. I gained like <laughs> twenty pounds working at IAC. It was uh it was awesome. I don't think I paid for food the entire time I worked there. Um go to uh the pitch meeting uh on Monday mornings uh, in Sam Reich's office and everybody would just sort of pitch a bunch of topical sketches and then we all get assignments at the end of the day we we have basically a couple sketches each to write that week um and then we'd have sort of these separate meetings so if a celebrity came to us and was like i'm promoting a thing can i do a a sketch at the time college humor had a really huge audience that had a lot of that um we'd pitch on pitch ideas for that and then the other thing we would do is um, RFP meetings, requests for proposals. So it's like a big brand would be like, we want to do a branded video with College Humor. Mm-hmm. And one or two of the writers would be in on the meeting and be like, well, what if we did a sketch that was like this and incorporated the brand in this way? Mm-hmm. I think things are done a little bit differently now, but I you know, can't speak to mm-hmm. that. Um, I like Comey. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can't, unfortunately, I cannot speak to that <laughs> at this time. Uh, for the nature listening, of the person. Yeah, the Comey uh, hearing happened this morning, so this will not be <laughs> it's relevant. It's so relevant yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, so of those uh, of those three types of sketches, what did you find was like your thing? I mean, I think everybody liked writing sort of the original ideas that they had pitched. Yeah. Um, I think that was everybody's favorite. Mm-hmm. Although it was cool like to be able to, especially if it was like a celebrity you liked, it was cool to be like, oh, well, they might hear this idea that I had or they might do with mm-hmm. this idea that I had um, did you ever uh, pitch to a celebrity that you like particularly liked or I'm trying to remember there were a couple I don't I don't remember what worked out I pitched the dumbest sketch maybe of my career and okay go did it oh really yeah it was <laughs> a sketch that okay go had been just releasing a bunch of their sort of like crazy Rube Goldberg music videos and I wrote a sketch called OK Gopid, and it was a like a dating service that matches you with someone based off like an insane Rube Goldberg machine that OK, <laughs> okay. Go had made. Um, <laughs> I can't I can't believe they that's the one they went <laughs> they went for. <laughs> um, and then we do also uh, Hardly Working, which is the series that's shot inside the College Humor office, like starring the staff, <laughs> and we'd have shoots that day like we'd have where we or not that day we'd have shoots during the day so we'd have um just cameras sort of around sometimes you're in the episode sometimes you're just working around it and like i guess Mm -hmm. just have to move desks for the day while they're (laughs) jake and amir used to shoot amir used to sit in my desk sit like sit in my desk in quotes Mm -hmm. for for the series which meant anytime they were shooting i was working on my laptop somewhere oh i see so (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's that's sort of the the way that a day went. It was all such a blur. 
um, now that I think about it in retrospect. Mm-hmm. So did you feel like you got like uh, better at sketch comedy from doing stuff from like Hammer... From going from nothing, or going from like watching it to going to Hammer Cats to going to College Humor, did you feel like there were like steps where you were getting better each time? Oh, definitely. I think the it's just you know it's sort of different skill sets that you're learning when you're watching it. You're like learning what you find funny and uh, what sort of appeals to you, and and what kind of things you want to write. And then when you're doing like any sort of college or amateur comedy what you're really learning is like okay i want to make this idea happen i have no money and i have three days mm-hmm. uh what do we do and it's just this mad dash to try and make it kind of work and i have a lot of really fond memories of running around on Hammercat's show days like running to halloween adventure on broadway or to abracadabra on uh 28th and and trying to get uh just get crazy props. The one that everybody in sketch uh, always needs is a realistic looking prop gun. And I remember that you can't paint them black. That's illegal. So I sharp, like, because oh, they're all different colors. Right. So there's orange tips. I remember sharpening mm-hmm. a lot of orange tips. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like a really specific skill set. And I also think Hammercats was a really great room and the group of people who were on Hammercats with me are now like, well, there's, we have, you know, an SNL writer and onion writers and, um, Billy Domino who wrote that phenomenal nine 11 Seinfeld script. And, um, Max Ash, who's my uh, best friend. And I think one of the funniest people, if not the funniest person, um, I know when it comes to writing sketch. So, and he, a lot of a ton of people doing UCB and Herald Night and stuff now, Mod Night, I guess. Um, so that's a different skill set. And then when you're at College Humor, you have it's the twofold thing of writing a sketch, getting a professional feedback, and like writing a sketch that can be produced with some money and some some branding behind it. And the and the special skill set of being able to write something for. A sponsor, which is something that comes up a lot when you're doing sort of like quote unquote content gigs wherever you are, which everybody does. Um, so it was just different skill sets. Also, like writing for video is different to writing for the stage, and um, everywhere has sort of a different voice. At Hammercats, it was, I think there there was a Hammercats voice, but there was also just a lot. It was a lot more of a sort of hodgepodge. Just because it was the individuals and what the individuals found funny, um, whereas a college where you were a little bit more of a unified front, and you could expect a bigger audience to be watching what you were doing, and you were getting comments. So that's oh, how uh, was that? <laughs> not fun. I've, yeah, been, a, I've been a woman on a, the internet for a real long yeah. time. I've been like a like a not not thin woman on the internet for a long time that's that's a thing <laughs> so you know it just it's it sucks but then you get used to it and you're like oh like some 15 year old in kansas doesn't want to fuck me like i don't want to fuck him either <laughs> this is this is great good um that's 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 just like a it's a skill set anybody in 2017 really has to has to learn if they want to have any kind of internet presence. Mm-hmm. 
so after College Humor, you were worked on the Nikki and Sarah Live. Yeah. Uh, how did you get hired for that? Um, I got my contract didn't get renewed at College Humor. Mm-hmm. Um, on good terms with everybody there. Uh, just it's a thing that happens. And my manager just sort of was sending me a bunch of different opportunities, and I got really, really close to a bunch of them, and they didn't pan out, and then uh, sent me Nikki and Sarah live, and I um, wrote a packet actually sitting in the hospital room of of my roommate uh, after there had been a, a... a batch of edibles gone wrong, which is a story uh. <laughs> I've told on other podcasts. But I wrote this this uh, <laughs> this packet, and it ended up getting me the job. And I did an interview with Nikki Glazer and Sarah Schaefer, who are uh, really wonderful comedians and women, and they put me on as a monologue writer. Um, and it was a really cool group. It was me and... Um, uh, Chase Mitchell was the other monologue writer. Mm-hmm. He's at, uh, I think he, he had been at The Tonight Show till recently. I'm not sure where he is now. And Gabe Gronley, who's at um, Colbert now. And uh, Emmy Blotnick, uh, who I'm not sure where she is, but she should be everywhere. She's like one of the <laughs> funniest stand-ups I've ever seen. And Brendan McLaughlin came on uh, later. So it was a really cool group of writers to be a part of but it was a very stressful show because it was a live show and it was a show that um was being constantly retooled just because that's sort of the nature of any show in its first season but when it's happening live and like having to like really change things quickly is that's just a very stressful Mm -hmm. experience um and our head writer uh when we first got there was brian mccann from conan who is like the coolest Mm -hmm. dude and one of my favorite people to work with i've gotten really lucky in the in the comedy boss department honestly yeah uh what was the what was the packet like What, what were they looking for just a bunch of topical uh, uh, jokes about different pop culture things. Whenever you write a packet, it's usually like 30 topical jokes. Um, and I actually really love writing packets. I love writing monologue jokes. <laughs> I, it's kind of like a little puzzle. Um, and if you're writing a packet for a show that's been on the air for a long time, you're writing in the host's voice. But if you're writing a packet for a brand new show, you're just sort of like, I'm just going to write the joke that I think is funny and hope mm-hmm. it works. And this was a show. This was one of those instances, and they were looking for a sort of young female voice. So, uh, when, when you said like the, the show is constantly like uh, retooling or like, changing, uh, like do you, what do you like specifically like remember? I don't know how much I okay. I can ta- I want to say or talk about that particular aspect of it, uh-huh. but um, just things that one minute seemed in the voice of the show would sometimes then be deemed to not be in the voice of the show. And and it seemed like everybody uh, from the top down was surprised that that was the decision that had been made. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh... Okay. Uh, so with, with monologue jokes, like, how do you approach that? Like, you said it was like a puzzle. Yeah, well, it's like... Um, you know that you have this setup and you know that you have to get it to a punchline somehow so you're sort of extrapolating like the first and you have to like do it in if you can keep it on one line of writing then you've done it well 
you've got to keep it real short, clippy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got these like really small, short parameters to work in, like shorter than a tweet parameters. Um, and you know that whatever the second half of the sentence is, is commenting on the first half somehow. So then it's just, it's just figuring out what the thing is from the first part of the sentence that can, can best be used at the end of it. Interesting. I, this is probably sounding too complicated, but uh-huh. it's just, um, if you just write out a ton of, uh, setups, then it's sort of just plugging things in for the punchline. And like, once you start writing, you figure out there's really only a couple kinds of jokes, um, mm-hmm. especially like with different hosts. And there's a couple of different targets they'll always end up coming back to, but it's a fun challenge. And I, I, would imagine it's even harder to be writing monologue right now, and especially in the past couple of years, just because most of the time Twitter's beating you to it, right. whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, so did you have any, like, favorite uh, jokes that got on air that you, like, really remember? Mm, I'm trying to think... I had a joke that I I got on really last minute and it's not necessarily like my favorite joke, but I'm really proud of how it kind of came about. And there was just this joke. There was this, this story that came out that we'd been trying to crack all week because we were like, they, they, we were handed sort of a list of topics. And one of them was, uh, Tom Cruise, uh, has announced that he believes in aliens and we spent the entire week trying to come up with the punchline. <laughs> and it seems like there, there would be something obvious there, but like we just hadn't found the thing that works. And like a couple hours before the show, I just email in, good for you, Tom. It's so important to believe in yourself. And that's what got on the air. Interesting. And I, was, I was just proud to be sort of the, the, the person to have come up with, yeah. with that last. I like that. It's kind of a quippy... Uh, and it's from like a female is kind of nice too like from a female like uh, like it's kind of like I don't know the way I look at it, when you just say it like that like it just it's funny like think like Nikki Glaser or Sarah Schaefer or whatever saying it and it's kind of like almost like good for you Tom you know what I mean there, there's like it's sort of a uh yeah I guess a sarcastic take on it we also yeah. been given the given the instructions to not uh, do anything too offensive because Tom Cruise is incredibly litigious. Oh, I've heard that, yeah. But, um, and apparently the we had some of the same lawyers who had worked for South Park and they were just tired. <laughs> uh, so, but I think the idea of, I don't know, yeah, it's just, it's just something that, like, was really simple, but mm-hmm. we have been overthinking it all week and I was proud mm-hmm. of that. Um, I don't fully remember the phrasing of the joke. I do knew, know that there was a Photoshop done for a joke that I wrote um, that of a sloth dressed as Bruce Springsteen playing the Super Bowl. And it didn't get on the air, but I did have the <laughs> dopest cover photo for like six months. Uh, so what ended up bringing you to uh, Los Angeles? Um, I got a job writing for Disney. Okay. In yeah. uh September or October last year, so I moved out October tenth. Okay, cool. And that's for Big Hero Six. Mm-hmm. How, how how has that been so far? Really good. Mm-hmm. I love it there. Uh, how did how did you uh, get that? Um, I had been writing recaps for Vulture of the ABC Muppets, and oh, okay. uh, I had also 
separately been Twitter friends with this awesome writer, uh, Nell Scovell. I think I thought her it was Scovel for a long time. I just learned how to pronounce that, <laughs> which is terrible because she's one of my favorite people. And um, she is this super badass comedy writer who's been doing this forever. Um, and was working on the Muppets and really liked the recaps and was like uh, basically what do you want to be doing and we talked because I had taken a little bit of a hiatus from comedy for a while and um, I said I really want to be writing for TV again and she sent a pilot that I had to uh, Bob Schooley and Mark McCorkle who are the showrunners of Big Hero 6 and I ended up writing a freelance episode and then I um, was brought on staff. So oh, nice. that was, yeah, it was the coolest. But it was like, you know, I got a call on a Thursday. And then by Tuesday, I was like out here signing <laughs> oh, a lease, wow. which is how it happens sometimes. Uh, so when you're, when you're writing like a freelance episode, do you just think that that's going to make a one-off? Or do you... Yeah, well, I kept trying. Because I'd like, I've been rejected from so many things. Mm-hmm. And I think I've just gotten to this place where like nothing's happened till it's happened um which is where you have to get so i really didn't have my hopes up too high i was like if all i get is a credit writing on a disney show like that'll be cool i will just carry that with me and then the fact that it ended up being more than that is just the coolest Mm -hmm. Oh, had you seen the movie before? Yeah. Uh, not before I got it. Yeah. Not before I wrote the freelance episode. Mm-hmm. So what was like when you're watching that? So you're watching that specifically for you as the writer to write right. something. What do you like look out for? Well, I had already been given the series Bible and the character descriptions oh, okay. and, and sort of the things that were happening on the show. So I had a good idea of where it was going. But what I got from the movie was sort of like who the characters are and um, just kind of the rhythm of the jokes and and it, you know it is a little different uh for tv but i guess just looking out for if there was anything from the movie that could be recycled or or brought back in some mm-hmm. way is, is it a different experience for, for you writing for animation for like the first time yeah animation's slow that's i think the biggest oh, the biggest different thing uh when you, I mean, because college humor is ter- the turnaround is insanely quick because digital shorts and and live TV obviously uh, is a whole different animal. And then doing a lot of like journalistic writing and uh, and um, prose writing is very different because the publishing time is you know like a week after it's been edited. Um, but when you're doing uh, animation, it's nine months until you see the full result of of what you've done, mm-hmm. of what you've written. Right. So, uh, the I saw the animatic of my freelance episode the week that I got to um, to uh, to the studio. So it was like. May that I started writing it, and then there was a there was anything of it to see by October, and yeah. I haven't seen a full color version of any of my episodes yet. So that's like we, we just got the first one back. So that's the biggest difference, and then also just the amount of other the amount of work that you don't really see happening between like the whole animation crew because right. that's overseas. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that, that, those are probably the biggest differences, mm-hmm. but 
the writing itself isn't so different. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can do things you couldn't do in TV because you don't have to consider if a human could actually do them. Right. Um, but the writing isn't isn't terribly different. Mm-hmm. What What about like writing uh, for children? In mind. Well, that's definitely different. Yeah. That's just, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. mostly like S&P stuff to right. keep in mind. And like, you're a little more limited just in what you can do and the kind of stories and and jokes you can make and that sort of thing. Um, I think it's a, it's a sort of fun creative challenge, though. Um, and I like writing for kids. I think just given sort of the events of the world of the past... Um, nine months since I since I got to the show, like the idea of making something that helps kids feel safe and like science is important and like diversity is important feels really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And something that's hopeful and and not cynical. Yeah, that's great. Uh, when's it uh, coming out? Uh, I don't know if there's a for sure date later this year. Definitely, I think around okay. November. Cool. Uh... Okay, so I have a couple of uh, of general writing questions. Sure. Uh, so you've done uh, so many different kinds of writing. Uh, what do you What do you like best of the things you've done? Of the things I've done, or I like, in general. Um, I like sketch, and I like um, I like monologue, and I don't know if I necessarily can pick between those. Mm-hmm. I think probably sketch. Um, I did a web series that's coming out in August uh, for um, IFC, oh. and it's that's the thing I've written that I think is just the most quintessentially me. It's like the thing that oh. when I was making it and when I was writing it, I was like, this tickles me specifically. And I think that was sort of a new thing, too, just because I was writing... For somebody, but it was like they wanted my voice and they wanted me, and that's what I what I gave them. So that was my favorite yeah. experience, and that was sort of somewhere in between. That was sort of a, sort of a narrative, but every episode sort of functions as a sketch as well. Mm-hmm. So did you did you create the web series? Yeah. So like when you're thinking of like what would make a good web series, especially like there's so many web series out there. Like what are you like what, what did you think of like what would be good? Um, this is just an idea that had just been sitting around in my head uh-huh. and I had sort of pitched somewhere else and it didn't go over there. And then um, when I was speaking to ISC, I was like, well, there's a series and I'm really excited about it. And it was like the first thing I pitched and they were excited too. So, um, and I think it was also a thing of like, well, this is a very uniquely me type of mm-hmm. character and world and story to tell. Uh, and I think if somebody's going to do it, it might as well be me. That's awesome. When, when does it come out? Um, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say, uh, okay. just because I don't know if they've announced it yet. But mm-hmm. I already said August, so I'll just say August again. Uh, okay. uh, but yeah, we have a release date, and um, I'm really excited about it. I hope I hope people see it. I hope people like it. Yeah. Did, did you see so you wrote and starred in it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Which that's is cool. also the first time I've done that. I, have, I don't have a ton of confidence in myself as an actor or performer, mm-hmm. but I love doing it anyway, so. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, do you have any tips for uh, young comedy writers out there? Um, yeah, uh, everybody you admire feels as um, as insecure and as much like an imposter as you do. We all feel that way. Um, I still feel like I 
um, am waiting for somebody to tell me that this is all a mistake. <laughs> and I have to just remind myself that I did work hard to be here and I, and I, I do, um, have what it takes, but I think that it's okay to feel like you're not a hundred percent sure of yourself because nobody is. Um, also you belong in that room. Uh, and this, I guess this is especially to, uh, to women, but, uh, you don't, you, it's okay to speak up. That's, that was a hard thing for me when I was at college humor. I was, I just was sort of not super confident in my ideas or felt like whatever idea I had was inherently going to be worse than what somebody else would have. So I wouldn't say it. So I think that if I had gotten that, uh, advice earlier, that'd be good. Also, um, work harder than you think you have to. I think my, my work ethic has improved radically since, uh, it it improves exponentially every time I get rejected. (laughs) My work ethic improves. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you can have a hydro work ethic, that, that's a help. That's something helpful. Mm-hmm. But try to get there before all the rejection gets there. Right. That is funny because it's like best advice is just work extremely hard. Everybody who does well is somebody who worked incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I really feel like I'm somebody who did the work, but also got like phenomenally lucky mm-hmm. and was just so in the right place at the same time at the right time. But there, all the people that I see like sort of getting hired now and stuff out of school. It's like, well, of course they did. Like they've been working their ass off the entire time I've known them. So, Mm -hmm. uh, that's important. And, uh, it's cliche and probably dumb and putting that much stock into it, uh, might not have any like real long-term payoff, but like if you can have a solid social media presence, people really do look for that. Mm -hmm. And like, I know places that won't like cast somebody who doesn't have, some you know a decent social media following which oh, wow. which sucks and it's uh it does probably it is probably pretty prohibitive for some people but it's just it's advice that i i do give to people how, how do you like build a big social media thing um and that's such a I, big no big question well i mean i think when i was at college humor that was sort of where i got like the core base of people mm. and my my like Twitter following is very decent, but it's not like some people's. Like, so I don't know how to get hundreds of thousands of followers. I think you just have to, like, it's that, like, pulling up slowly thing. It's that, like, okay, so I I have enough followers now that I'll get hired to write an article for this place. Now that article gets you noticed and gets mm-hmm. you a couple more hundred followers or whatever, and then you just kind of keep climbing up. And then also for me, I have a couple friends with some pretty huge social media followings and I've been really lucky and gotten retweeted, (laughs) which, uh, that's, you know, just, uh, that's another sheer luck and, (laughs) and privilege thing. Um, yeah, but don't give up and work harder than you think you have to. And don't hate yourself. Try not to hate yourself. Um, and be nice to other people because they will remember when you've been a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. It's a small community. That's not the only reason you should be nice to other people. You should be nice <laughs> to other people because life is hard and because if you're not being nice, then you're making life harder. But 
those are my those are my best piece of advice I think yeah, those are good thanks uh, okay, so- oh wait I have one more thing okay. this is the most important and I feel like I keep telling this to people have a recent pilot on hand you just don't know mm. when somebody's gonna ask for it nobody's reading specs anymore just have a recent pilot on hand that's all yeah yeah it's uh yeah, the, I think it's weird that specs were even a thing to me now, like thinking they're about it. They're very useful. No, they're a very useful learning tool. To me, it's right. like specs and improv are kind of the same, where it's like they're most <laughs> useful as a learning tool. But when you try and take them pro, you're going to fail 99% of the time. Shots fired at improv. <laughs> I fire shots at improv. I, I think that there's like a couple of people who are great improvisers and I love watching them and then the most of the time anytime you go to an improv show there's nothing actually I'm fine with improv but talking about improv is is something that I hate it's like I, describing this improv scene to me is just oh, making well, me it's like describing your dreams yeah right. it's not yeah <laughs> uh, okay so we're gonna wrap up with you giving your thoughts on something I wrote. Okay. So these are clickle headlines. Okay. That I... Uh, I've spent a weird amount of my adult life uh, giving thoughts on clickhole headlines. Oh, so really? I had, yeah. They just had a, a submissions like last month or mm-hmm. something. So these are... I think these are three I submitted, actually. So, okay. Uh, for the for the win, mm-hmm. NSA to release podcast of funniest conversations they've heard. I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if for the win is the is the thing that gets you the most out of that. Mm-hmm. And say to release that, it sounds like an onion headline. It's, I was thinking that. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't sound as much like a clickhole headline. Clickhole is such a specific voice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to describe. It is dark, but it is not dark in an obvious way. Um. I think the idea of NSA releasing a podcast is good, but I mm-hmm. think that it's almost too realistic or oniony that it might be I a see. conversations. Like if NSA also releasing comedy podcast or something. I see. But that also it does. I don't know. That also maybe feels oniony to me. I th- I think there's something there, and you, you're correct that it should be a. There should be some sort of clickbaity thing before it. I just don't know if that's the correct thing to have before it. That's definitely the thing I've struggled with the most in doing the clickle stuff is figuring out the clickbaity like term to put with the with the headline. Right. Because I feel like, cause like almost all the articles have some sort of clickbaity thing before it. Right. And I just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I need to start reading more clickbaity stuff. That's a really good place to start is yeah. just writing down what clickbaity stuff is. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's sort, of, that's sort of my thought, is that I almost mm-hmm. think it sounds too believable. Okay. Uh, then, uh, 19 shameful things I've done since becoming an optometrist. I like that. I think that's the kind of thing that they might do. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe another word besides shameful. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it would be, uh, but I like it. They do those lists sometimes. Sometimes it's they do very simple headlines. Yeah, I I was cause yeah they do the one of my favorites is when they do like uh, something like what do these doctors think of something ridiculous and then like some doctors are like this is stupid and then others like I love it you know what I mean like they have like the weird I did that's not a good example of what I just said but it's like they have like the thirty seven doctors give their opinion on something right um, so yeah that's kind of like 
I think that yeah. one's. I think I. I could see that. I think that one's pretty yeah. solid. Uh, and then uh, last one. Bad news. Russell Westbrook refuses to dunk until Mad Men comes back. Kind that's of a, so, yeah, that's somewhere in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. I I don't know basketball, so I'm assuming that's a basketball. This is a player. basketball player. Yeah, that's the <laughs> that's, only. So yeah, because I took a second just being like, that sounds like the name of like a guy in a Brooks Brothers catalog. <laughs> um, that's funny. But like, yeah, bad news refuses to dunk unless. <laughs> and I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. I feel like it could maybe be exploded to something just a little bit bigger or yeah. an older TV show. Yeah. Like until Hogan's Heroes comes back Hogan's or something. Heroes. That's funny. Uh, or until... Like something that would never happen. Right. Right. Um, or like... Um, probably TV is probably not the best place. Yeah. Until... Uh, maybe it could even be like... Tibet becomes independent, or is that too? I think that's too realistic. Yeah, too real, yeah. But something like until, uh, um, I'm trying to think like the exact like the exact same thing. Um, the like like something that he clearly wouldn't be interested in because he's like it like doesn't matter to him. Like until. Until Howell lowers like paywall price oh, or like wow. something like I use that as an example because I think you I've I looked you up and you worked for Comedy Bang Bang. I worked for uh, Improper Humans. Improper yeah, Humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like um, that's not a good example. Either. Oh, we can do this. Um, Maybe like tell the McRib comes back or is that too kind of That's a thing people do. McRib. Yeah. yeah, it has to be something that like isn't a go-to specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um You're going to cut out all this silence of us thinking, right? <laughs> uh yeah. Mm. Mm. Like a terrible band reunites or something. Like until Wings reunites or something. Until Wings. Yeah. Not that Wings is terrible, but it until like that's the specific. I'm like, yeah, yeah the, it's it's somewhere. It's somewhere in there. I think maybe not pop culture. Maybe yeah, is what I'm thinking. Like I can't think of yeah. something. Yeah. Something not pop culture. Um, like until they make post it stickier or something. Yeah. Like not, not yeah. Not but, that, but like in that vein of like uh-huh. a vague thing that somebody wants because of whatever reason. Uh-huh. Um Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's something to it. It's just mm-hmm. that's not this it's click hole is so interesting because it's like two thoughts removed from where you thought it was going. Right. Click hole's two yeah. steps ahead of you at every turn. Uh, the best fucking clickhole headline is like seven times the fox from Splash Mountain threatened to marry my dad. <laughs> uh, that's not like exactly how it's phrased, but it's the that's best funny. clickhole article I've ever read. I like the the garbage sons one. Which I don't know if I one, know oh, it's that. which one of my garbage sons are you? That's great. It's a quiz. Yeah, the twelve geese living in my daughter's room and the jobs they oh, seem to have. Yeah, yeah. Um. I think, yeah, they, it's there's something in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a long day. This is yeah. a, uh, I spent a, a lot of time <laughs> thinking about other people's click hole headlines, actually. Um, 
Yeah, but I think I think you're in a you're heading in the right mm-hmm. direction. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, uh, it's it's a real specific voice. It's a really specific <laughs> thing. Uh, all right, thanks thanks for coming out. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Nothing at the moment. Uh, just Twitter at Jenny Jaffe. Yeah, all right, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of On Comedy Writing. I want to thank Nick Doss for supplying the sweet tunes, Zachary Glassman for giving us the awesome logo, and Boardwalk Audio for hosting us. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and like and follow On Comedy Writing on Facebook and Twitter. See you next week. Podcast. For more information and shows, visit boardwalkaudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.